Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. For the same Spirit that moved upon the face of the darkness and out of chaos brought creation. The same Spirit that was the cloud by day and the fire by night in the ancient times of old. The same Spirit came upon my servant and he slew the giant the same spirit that anointed my prophets to speak the same spirit that came upon the virgin girl in Bethlehem the same spirit that fell upon the redeemer at Jordan's river the same spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost the same spirit that empowered my servant Paul. The same spirit that has risen up throughout the decades and centuries has fallen in this place. Not to visit for a service, but to abide until the assignment and the commission of that which I desire to do is accomplished. So welcome and receive and enter into that spirit this day and you shall see an advancement and an increase of all that God desires for you to have and do and the very presence of the Almighty shall abide and shall empower and shall cause things that have never been revealed things that have never been said things never experienced to happen for you at this time and in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and worship the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we worship you this morning. Lord, we glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you, the glory of God is in this place right now like it had never been. Like it's never been. We want to minister that to you. If you need prayer this morning, you say, Pastor, I I just need prayer. I'm in a place in my life physically, a place in my life financially. I just need someone to pray for me. I need a miracle from God. Get out of your seat and come right now. Let's lay hands on you. Let's pray. Let's get an agreement. Let's, 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 let's enjoy and enter into what God has provided for us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Sweetheart, if you'll come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pat, and Pat, you and Alan, if you'll come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Stay in an attitude of prayer. I was going to have you sit, but you know, we, sometimes when the presence of God comes in like this, we shouldn't sit down. We should just stay, just stay standing in the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. Now, 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 quietly pray with me. Quietly pray with me. God's touching somebody in the store next door. So just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, that anointing that's in this place, let it just shift. Let it flood through these walls. Lord, over into that, somebody's hurting over there. Somebody's hurting. Lord, let that anointing go right through these walls now. Just, just pray for a moment, church. Come on. Jesus, Jesus. The point of their need. The point of their need. At the point of their need, Lord. The point of their need. We call it done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. on the horizon, and you fear will be difficult to go through. That which looms on the horizon, and you say, but Lord, I, I, I'm resistant. I'm, I'm reluctant. How can I go through? The Lord says, I will empower you. I will give you grace. Mercy shall be upon you. Words shall be in your mouth. Tenderness shall be in your heart. And you shall get through these events in life that seem to rise up and even mock the very faith that is in your heart. So rise up today in strength and in confidence, knowing that the Lord is with you, that the Lord is with you, that the Lord God Almighty is with you in strength, in power, in word, in deed, in truth, in proclamation, in demonstration. So fear not. Fear not that which rises in the future. Which rises and says, I will destroy. Which rises and says, I will bring heartache. Which rises and says, I will bring confusion. I will hurt. I will harm. Fear not another moment. Fear not. For my spirit dwells on the inside. And it shall rise up a mighty standard. That will cause you to walk in the victory at all times. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, what a word from God. Have you been learning anything about the love of God? Hallelujah. Nothing more powerful in the universe than God's love. And I tell you, we're called to walk in love. Now, some of the things we've learned and discovered, the Holy Ghost has revealed to us by the Word of God. Number one, and first and foremost, without exception, God loves you. You know, I, I made this statement in the, in the earlier service and learned it through experience and have taught a little bit. I, I think this is probably the most detailed teaching I've done on the love of God. But uh, in all of the other things that I've taught and preached over almost 30 years now, to be 30 years coming up in the April of 2014, the most resisted message... The message that when I teach it and preach it, I feel in my spirit it's being resisted more than any other message is the message of God's love. 
Now, you'd think for a minute, no, wait a second, Pastor, come on now. What about some of the other things you do, like faith? And No, the reason is, is because we judge God's love on our life experience, or we judge God's love on people we know that serve Him. But let me say this right up front. Never judge God's love by your life experience. You judge it by the Word. And never, ever judge God by the people that serve Him. I mean, judge God by His Word. Now, most people that have been raised in Christianity here in America have been taught that negative things in life, that, that tragedy, that uh, sickness, disease, uh, uh, premature death, things that would happen to our lives that are very uncomfortable, very negative, very bad. Well, that's, that's God. God's allowing that to teach you something, to uh, bring you to some higher level of, uh, of piety, to uh, create some character on the inside of you which couldn't have been done any other way. Listen, nothing is further from the truth. Let me say that again. Nothing is further from the truth. And I think that none of us really realize to the depth of what we really think that that's not true. That if this has happened, well, God somehow must have had his hand in it. Or if that has happened, well, God must have somehow had his hand in it. Well, God's hand wasn't any, in, in that at all. God's hand was in getting you out of that. God's hand was in the healing. God's hand was in the deliverance. God's hand was in the salvation. God's hand was in the, in the breakthrough. Whatever it was that you were believing God for, God was in the answer, not in the problem. So you almost have to force your mind and tell your mind, shut up. You're not thinking that no more. No matter how many little Sunday school lessons you heard in the first whatever church you were, grew up in or however you were indoctrinated with doctrine, that goes contrary to the word of God, that in any way, that in any way blamed God for anything bad in humanity. To, to just say, Holy Ghost, purge that out of me. Get that out of me. I don't want that in me no more. I want to see God for who the word says he is. He's a God that loves me. He's a God that cares for me. He's a God that would never let anything bad happen to me. He's a God that's done all he could possibly do to get redemption to me, to get healing to me, to get blessing to me. Now it's up to me to figure out how to tap into it and pull it into my life. But all of these negative things, all of these attacks, all of these diseases, all of this junk, there's an adversary out there that hates me. There's a world system that's against me. My mind is messed up. My flesh craves things that aren't right so help me Lord to understand your love toward me and that you're for me not against me because if God was against us what are we doing here amen I mean if he were against us we wouldn't have a chance but he's not against us and he doesn't use negative negative events or negative experiences in life to teach us he uses his word to teach us he doesn't use it to create some type of holiness or piety. There's not some great sacrifice. Say, well, I'm going to sacrifice my health for the Lord. Why? He died so you could have health. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm not taking no vow of poverty. See, that right there goes totally contrary to God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider who supplies all of my need according to... See, that's what the Word says. I don't care what religion says, and I don't care how they dress it up. I would no more take a vow of poverty than I would take a vow of sickness or a vow of disease. Amen. Come on, church. We need to realize this. So number one, we figure out God loves us. 
Number two, we love him back. His love is so great for us, it makes it easy to love a God like that. How could you love a God that hurt you? How could you love a God that slapped you around, kicked you around, abused you and hurt you? You can't love anybody like that. But boy, you can love a God that'll reach his hand out. And when he does, there's a big old hole in the middle of it where he paid the ultimate price to get all of his provision into your life. You can love a God like that. Then when you begin to see that God loves you that much, you return that love, you see that you're, of, you're something of value. You're worth something. You are so very valuable to God. So we learn to love God. We learn to love ourselves. Don't be self-abusive. Don't be down on yourself. You say, I've made so many mistakes. Get in line with the rest of us. Amen? Well, I've had so many problems. So have we all have had them. No, we begin to value who we are, not because of our activity or behavior in life. We value who we are because of the price that God paid for us to be who we are now, the new creatures in Christ, the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the peculiar people. God paid such a price for us to be that way. We ought to see a value in us because of that. Now, today we're going to conclude it with that which may be a little more difficult. And that is learning to love one another. Now, did you find John 13? Let's read our scripture. Then we'll go to the letters that John wrote. But in John 13, I like the red letters. Everybody say the red letters. Verse 34, Jesus speaking here says, A new commandment. Everybody say a new commandment. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Double emphasis on it. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Now notice what it says. By this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now, don't get me wrong. Y'all know me. Y'all that come to Island Church, y'all know what we believe. We are, listen, we are signs and wonders people from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. We love the miraculous of God. We love the miracles of God. We love God's healing power. We love the power that's in the name of Jesus, the power that's in the word of God, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the mighty gifts of healing and working of miracles and special faith. We love all the demonstration of God. But Jesus didn't say, they're going to know you by all the miracles that you have in they're going to know you by all the signs and wonders and the power that's performed. No, he said, they're going to know you by the love you have one toward another. Now think a moment for other places that people gather. Let's take Walmart, for instance. Walmart probably has a, a, a staff or a, or a group of people that are employed there. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred people. So people gather there every day to work. That's where they make their money. Now, you do not know them because they love one another. You see what I'm saying? You say, well, you know, you go to Walmart, you feel such love. <laughs> you really don't because Walmart's not a church. It's a, it's a retail store. But that group of people have a common purpose. The common purpose they have is to earn a wage. They're working. They need gas in their tank. They need food in their pantry. They need to pay their mortgage or their rent. They need clothes for their children. They need money to spend. So there is a common interest that they have in employment Therefore, they compromise. Many of them compromise their prejudice. Many of them compromise their hate. Many of them compromise their feelings toward another gender, a man or a woman, in order to provide for themselves an income. 
Now, in that environment, in that environment right there, you have what I call a drama. Have anybody ever worked in a place where there was just a drama going on? You thought, Lord. Now, we don't see it. We don't see it when we walk in there, you know, to, uh, to, get, our, to get our groceries. We don't see it when we walk in there to buy whatever we're going to buy at Walmart. We don't see it on the surface, but we know under it, you know, there's probably 200 people uh, working at this place. and There's probably some kind of, quote, drama going on between them. And many times there are one offended at the other and, and employees are mad at management. Management's mad at employees. There's all kinds of drama that goes on and drama that takes place. The world knows that. The world is used to that the world understands that because that's the way it is in the world but now you come into the church and if you walk into the church the first thing you should be able to observe that tells people outside the church that we are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ is not our ability to do signs and wonders and miracles but when they observe our interaction with one another they see something different that they would see at Walmart they would see love among us that they would understand and realize this is something unique on the earth. We do not experience that in our workplace. We do not experience that at the gym we go to. We don't experience that at the ball game or this or that. I saw the other day where they were putting people in the stands at the football games because there were so many fights going on that they were putting undercover officers in the football games that are in the jerseys of the opposite team. Well, that's not because of love. You understand what I'm saying? So Jesus tells us, by this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one toward another. If you love one another. If toward each other among us we have a common interest and that interest is for the other person. When the person on the left hurts, I hurt. When the person on the right hurts, I hurt. The person in front of me, the person behind me. When they have a need, I have a need. I pull. I believe God. I have faith. I agree with their faith. We bond together in the love of God. And our co the common thing that the world sees in us, sure, they enjoy the presence of God as we do. They see the miracles. They see the signs. They see the wonders. But after they come for a while, they begin to sense this, quote, love. It's not a human love. It's not something made up by humanity or that is in humanity. It is something divine where we actually prefer one another in love, prefer one another in kindness. We have mercy one toward another. We're compassionate one toward another. We love one another and not as the human family loves each other because that which we've done many times is to incorporate how a human family loves into the body of Christ, but still the human family without the love of God does not know how to love each other. Oh, I ought to get a better than amen than that. Some of you, you know. That's how your family is. There's fights in your family. There's turmoils in your family. There's all kinds of problems, all kinds of, quote, drama in your family. Don't let that settle a minute. Some of you are finally waking up. Why is that? It's the human family. It's not God's family. Let me say something to you, folks. Blood is thicker than water. The water birthed you, but the blood redeemed you. 
And I want you to know if you will serve God, thank God for our human families and we want them all saved. We want them all serving God with us. But the best way to love your human family is to make it a part of God's family so that your human family and your God family is one in the same because you cannot step down to a lower level and love on that human, on that human level in God's family. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John, real quick. Talking about loving one another. 1 John, of course we know there's the gospel of John that was written in the letters that John wrote to the church. 1 John, beginning in verse 7. I like it. I mean, it's plain as day. Verse 7, beloved, that's speaking of us, speaking of God's family. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, we are accepted in the beloved. That's God's family. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, let me say this right up front, folks. Let's not step down. Let's not, let's not uh, uh, step down into a lower level of, and I hate to use this word. I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway because it fits. Let us not step down into a lower level of evolution in the Word of God. Let's let the love of God evolve in us to higher levels of learning to love one another. Let me explain it. People who are, quote, social engineers, people that study trends in the United States, in society, tell us that social development... And the majority of people in the United States ends in the senior year of high school. Now think about this. The senior year of high school, where here you are, 17, 18, 19 years of age, you have, you're trying to get authority without responsibility. Are you with me? I mean, you want, a, you want the right to make your decisions, but you don't pay the bills. Yeah, right. You go to a high school, and high schools do this because of social development. People gather themselves around common things, things that are unique to the individuals. The, the, the athletes hang out together. Uh, the cheerleaders hang out together. The people that play in the band play together. The chess club plays together. You got the weirdos. You got the freaks. You got the surfers. You got the cowboys. You got all these different little groups of people. Amen. All these little groups of people, and there's very little interaction between the two. There's some sometimes, but there's very little interaction. And then, you know, you have your prom, and you have your graduation, and the world is good, and then you go your separate ways, but then you always remember back to the, quote, good old days. They say the number one social event in America across the board is the high school reunion. Because you can go back and remember when. Remember when there was no responsibility but you had a little authority. Therefore, most people only develop. So they come into a church and what do they do? They look for their clique. They look for their group. Or the weirdos here. <laughs> or the surfers here. Or the cowboys here. Or the athletes here. Or the, here's the, we got the Dallas Cowboy fans. We got the Houston Texan fans. We got the, we got the baseball players. We got the people that like to fish. We got the, and so we, we start doing what? We start doing what we were programmed to do. And that is to take and be pulled toward certain groups. 
We feel comfortable around people who are like us. But God says we can't do that. We have to learn to what? Come up to a higher level and learn to love. You got to love the weirdos. You got to love the freaks. You got to love everybody. And it's not a feeling that you have that vindicates who you are. It is a behavior that you adopt into your life based on what you're supposed to do that the word dictates for you to do so that you can walk in love toward everybody the same. Now, notice what the scripture says because we stick with the word. Everybody say, stick with the word. Now notice. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. It didn't say God chooses to love. It says God is love. Which means there's not a capacity in him to hate you. On your worst day as a sinner, when you rejected God and hated God and cursed God, he loved you so much he sent his only begotten son to die for you. So he's showing us a little inkling of the dimension of his love. Then it says this, it says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live, everybody say live, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the substitute for our sins. What separates man from God? Sin. God loved us so much, he paid the penalty, the sacrifice. He took the judgment. He was the scapegoat. He was the sacrificial lamb. He took it all as an expression, as a demonstration of the love of God toward us. Now that love's in you. Now that love's in you. Now let me help you here a minute. When Adam and the woman sinned in the garden, love left the earth. When their human spirit died, they became separated from God. There was no place for love to abide in the earth anymore. You look at the Old Testament, you don't see a lot of love. People look at the Old Testament and they judge God unjustly. They say, well, you know, look at, uh, look at the children of Israel. They did right, God blessed them. But boy, as soon as they got wrong, the earth opened up and swallowed a bunch of them. The plague had come in. I saw I was reading the other day. Killed 50,000. Boom, just like that. Well, where's love in that? No, there was no love on the earth. You said, why? It had no place to abide. Romans chapter 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? So, when Jesus came onto the earth, after his baptism of John at the Jordan River, for the first time since man's fall, here was the love of God in manifestation on the earth. When the woman caught in the act of adultery came, did he judge her? He loved her. Lepers who were supposed to be shunned and thrown outside the city, he healed them. Everything he did, the Bible said, he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He loved them enough to feed them. He loved them enough to teach them. He loved them enough to bless them. He loved old Peter enough, even when Peter denied him three times, he loved them enough to restore him and make him apostle in the kingdom of God. 
Everywhere he went, he was a manifestation of love. And the greatest demonstration of love, Jesus' arms stretched out upon the cross, his feet nailed to the cross, his back bleeding, his, 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 his brow running with blood, just suffering, dying, tortured for the love of God, for you and I. Then he goes to heaven. He pours his blood upon the mercy seat. When he pours his blood on the mercy seat, what happens when you pour the blood? The blood cleanses the temple. You say, what do you mean? Know ye not? Know ye not? Ye are Somebody's going to get a hold of something this morning. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, on that day in John chapter 20, when Jesus spoke to the disciples and he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, which had not been present in man since Adam's fall, moved back into man and brought with it what? The love of God. That love is on the inside of you. It's not human love. It's not the way you love your wife. It's not the way you love your little doggy. It's not the way you love your new car. It's not the way you love anything you possess or do. It is a higher level of love. And it's in you. And we have tried to turn it on the world without turning it on ourselves. How are they going to know us? If we love one another. The, 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 the filthy film of prejudice has to be taken from your eyes. Hate has to be removed. You say, but this person hurt me. And these people did this to me. And those people did that to me. That has to be purged out from the spirit first. You do not have that spirit in you anymore. That iniquity is not in you. Righteousness abides in your human spirit. And because of that, love is on the inside of you. Do not use your willpower or your mind or your flesh to suppress that love, but turn it loose. Look for someone to be kind to. Look for someone to be compassionate to. And don't look in the world first. Look in the church first. Because we, we, we take it to the world and we think it means something. It don't mean nothing because we hadn't done it for each other first. So, so look at this just for a moment. Somebody, is this helping somebody? Amen. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abideth in us. Now notice that. Oh, we see signs at Island Church. We see wonders. We see miracles. No, no, no. No, we know that God's here because of the love we have for one another. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. Why? Because he hath given us his spirit. So we know what? Through the new birth, the spirit comes in to abide. So you are abiding in love. Through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit comes to empowered. You are empowered with love. Now, real quick, how's my time? Oh, I got 11 minutes. Go to 1 Corinthians. I've taught on this for years, but I've never done it from this angle. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we read that, and we read that, and we read it in the Amplified, and we write it down, and we try to, quote, do it. That's our problem. Amen? 
I mean, I did it for years. I, I, I had 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the Amplified Bible written down. I'd read it and i think, okay, I gotta act. This is how I have to act toward this person over here. I really don't like this person. I really would rather this person live on the other side of the planet from me. But I'm gonna read 1 Corinthians 13 and I'm gonna do this. So I'm gonna be kind and I'm gonna be compassionate. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna be mad. I'm gonna, not gonna be mean. But my heart wasn't in it. So we've tried to do love Instead of, you're getting it, instead of be loved. The Holy Ghost came upon us in Acts chapter 2 so that we might be a witness. So everything is to do what? Change our identity where we are not identified with prejudice. We are not identified with hate. We are not identified with hurt. Where people think about Island Church and think about us as people, there is no negative thought. They think if you go there, someone's going to love you. Someone's going to shake your hand. Somebody's going to put your arm. And as awkward as that may feel for someone to hug you and look at you and say, I love you, I care about you, I'm concerned. As awkward as that may be for the world, it should not be awkward for the church. Because when the world comes in and it's done with the right heart and it's done because that's not what we're trying to do, it's who we be, then it's real, it's of substance, and it's not your arms around them, it's God's arms around them. It's not you saying I love you, it's God saying I love you. So 1 Corinthians 13, I like it in the Amplified. Now, now consider this for a moment. Consider this for a moment. Beginning in verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. So that's what we do. We try to muster up through willpower the ability to endure long and be patient and kind. Erase all of that. Recognize this is the standard of God's love. So this is how he loves you. I'm going to let that settle a minute. Some of you need to consider this. This is not the ABCs. This is not our law. This is no, no. God, for some of us, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. God endured a long time with some of my foolishness. He was patient and he was kind toward me in some of my worst behavior, in some of my worst activity, when I was in sin, when I was at backslidden, when I was away from God. God still loved me and he endured long and he was patient and kind. And when you realize that, realize that about God, this is the way he loves me, then you can love me like that too and I can love you like that too. But this is what God says. This is how I love you. This is how I love you. I endure long. I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm never envious. I do not boil over with jealousy. When you don't come to my house, but you go to the football game, what would a, ju- what would a judging God do? He'd smite you dead in the parking lot. Wouldn't he? What would a jealous God do? Thou shalt not have any other gods before thee. What if your God is fishing? What if your God is your occupation? What if your God is your family, your wife, or your children? God says, that's okay. I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. I still love you anyway. I still love you anyway. See, once you realize that, then you won't put no other God before him. 
It won't be the fishing trip. It won't be the football game. It won't be none of that. No, no. I love God. God loves me. I've got to be with God's people. I've got to be with my family. It's not jealous. How about this? God is not boastful. He's not vainglorious. And God does not display himself haughtily. Boy, I know some other spirits that do. I said, I know some other spirits that do that that'll stick their sin and iniquity right in your face and if you don't accept it, they'll take you to court. That's not our God. Our God's not like that. Our God sits back and says, you know, I gave mankind its willpower. It can do what it wants to do. It can be what it wants to be. But if it wants everlasting, eternal love that's so deep they can't plumb the depths of it, that's so wide they can't measure it, so high they can't see the top of it, if they want love they've never even experienced before, they can come to me. Because I'm not haughty. I'm not vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily then when you see that in your heavenly father, you can see that in yourself. Oh, oh man, this is good stuff. Verse 3, it's not conceited. It's not arrogant. It's not inflated with pride. It's not rude. It's not unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. This is God's nature. Love, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights. What if God insisted on his own rights? What if he insisted on it? Where he made you worship. He made you praise. He forced your head to bow. He forced... He's not like that. He's a God of love. Man, you study some of the other so-called, quote, gods. They're mean. They're mad. Study those Philistine gods of Dagon and how they worship them and how they offered sacrifices and cut themselves all the people. The, the, the gods of the prophets that Elijah destroyed. They were wicked, horrible gods that forced. All, those are demons that forced people into things. Look how the demon gods today force people to worship them. The drug addiction, the immorality, pornography, all that stuff. That's demonic. That's demonic gods saying, worship me, serve me, not the one true. God, I'll give you a little pleasure, a little feeling, a little look-see, but I'll kill you in the end. And I'll make you a slave and I'll torture you. And you'll never have it all. You'll never have it all. You'll just get what I'll give to you because I'll keep you coming back for more. Come on, church. But not our God. Not our God. He opens his arms wide. He opens his arms. He don't insist on his own way. He's not self-seeking. He's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. He's not touchy because you got away from the Lord five years ago. He's not resentful. He's do, he's not, he doesn't resent saving you because you've had a hard time serving God. You've had a hard time. I mean, you're in and out, up and down. God's not resentful that he saved you, and he's looking at your future, and he says, I'm not fretting. I still believe the best of them. There'll be mighty men and women of God. There'll be people that'll shake the island. They'll shake their county. They'll shake their state. They'll go to the world. Everywhere they go, they'll shake it with the love of God. Mm -mm -mm. It's not self-seeking, touchy, fretful, resentful. Takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays attention, pays no attention to suffered wrong. Does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe. The best of every person. Man, if we could only love like that. If we could only look at one another 
and not believe what we see or what we've heard. But believe the potential of God. Look at the potential of God. My goodness, there's prophets and evangelists and pastors and businessmen and women of integrity and virtue and power and strength and people of the love of God that are full of the compassion that will reach out and helping hand and bless people everywhere they go. That's, that's Island Church. We believe that of every person that they'll achieve the potential of the best that God has put on the inside of them. Ah, oh, man, you know, he comes to church every other week or two, every other month or two, I don't know. You see him in here sometimes. You see her in there sometimes. Well, every once in a while, that's you. But look at them, man. It look like they've been road hard and put up wet, you know. I mean, look like they've been drugging for two months, and now they're trying to come and pay their penance at Isle Hair. See, that's what we do. We judge. We judge. We look. We judge. Where have they been for the last? Boy, they look like they've been beat up. No, you can't do that. You got to put your arms out wide. You got to be compassionate. I've missed you. We love you. If you're going through anything and need prayer, here's my number. I'll be kind to you. I mean, if you will do that, then you are literally becoming the reflection of God in the earth. You are his children. And what is he looking for? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. We learn to love by faith. He sees the reflection of himself. He goes, there's my kid right there. My kid hit the home run. My kid made the point at the end of the clock. My kid won the spelling bee. You know what I'm talking about? My kid, because he's got a bunch of me in him. Now let me close with this. My time's up. Is this helping anybody? Love bears up under anything. Anything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now listen. It's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Love never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Now see what we've done over the years. We've preached that. Now this is how you have to act. This is how you have to act. This is what you do, need to do. You need to believe the best of every person. This is what you need to do. Don't be haughty. Don't be conceited. Don't be arrogant. So we all go out there and we go, okay, I won't be, I won't be, I won't be, I won't be. And then we end up being it. We end up being conceited in love. Because it's not coming where? The love of God is shed abroad where? In your heart. Love adjustments are not behavioral adjustments because, because we've made a law out of 1 Corinthians 13. Let me say that again. Love adjustments are not adjustments we make because we've made a law out of 1 Corinthians 13. Love adjustments are heart adjustments. Where we adjust our heart and we look inward and not outward. We don't look outward and say, I need to perform this towards you. But we look inward and say, where is that love? Where are you? Forgive me, Lord, for not walking in your love. Forgive me at looking at myself and not others. Forgive me for being self-seeking. Forgive me for being haughty. Forgive me for being conceited. Forgive me for not reflecting your nature of love. Forgive me and help me. The Holy Ghost is what? Shed abroad. And one of the ministries of the Holy Ghost is what? Helper. Help me to love this person that sits next to me. In church. Because I don't like them. And why do they always sit next to me? So if you can, if you can cross that hurdle. And then the next time you come to church. There's a little card. You have a little card. 
and a little $5 Starbucks gift certificate. And you say, you know, I don't even know you, but I want you to have this. Then you have just healed your own heart. Because love is expressed through giving. Then you've just healed your own heart. Now you might not have to give a Starbucks card to everybody in the church to get healed, but you may have to give one to somebody. Because every time you give, or every time you pass a little note that says, I'm praying for you, and mean it, and you actually bend your knee, and you pray, and you call their name out in prayer. Or here's my number, call me if you need me. Whatever level. You say, well, hey, I could get myself in trouble. You could, but love will never get you in trouble. Love will never paint a regret in your behavior or activity. You will always think, well, man, I did what I could do. I've had people in my life that I've loved them, and I didn't want to, and I was resistant, and I said, I don't, Lord, please. I'll go to the furthest reaches of Africa, the deepest, darkest jungles of South America, if I just don't have to express any type of anything toward this person. And the Lord would say, you go love them. And so I would walk in, and I didn't feel like it, and I would do it by what? Giving them something. And giving them something would always break the ice and empower me by the Holy Ghost to make a heart adjustment. How can that happen? Like this. For God so loved the world he gave. It's the simple principle of love. And when you begin to do it, I give to our staff. Why? So I don't be offended at them. I give to my wife. Why? So I won't be offended at her. I give to my daughter. Why? So I won't cop an attitude and be so I can love them on a higher level than human love. I give to people all the time. You say, why? Because when it's difficult to love them, when you give. For all of you say, well, you ain't never gave me nothing. I'm giving you something today. <laughs> I'm giving you more than a Starbucks card. I'm giving you. I loved God enough to do what? To obey Him, to fulfill the calling of God upon my life. Therefore, He put His love in me. I assimilate that love and I pass it to you by loving you enough to teach you the Word, to pray for you, to follow the will of God for my life so that I can create a pathway for others to come along and do the same and begin to love you in word and in truth and when you need me and when you need a word from God and when you need hands laid upon you and I do it with the right heart and I do it with compassion and it doesn't happen overnight you have to work at it you have to purge the ambition you've got to quit looking at what everybody else is doing and you've got to come down to the level of God's love and you've got to learn to love the people you can be the greatest orator. You can be the greatest preacher. You can have the greatest gifts. But you study the chapter before, I mean the chapter we were just in, and you will see that all that is is a ringing bell. It has no substance whatsoever. But when you start seeing how much God loves you, and it just breaks you down, and then you begin to see the value and the worth of your life, and how, how so valuable you are to God, then you begin to love him back. And then you begin to love each other as your demonstration to God of how much you love him. Because you can only love God. You can only love God. <laughs> you can only love God as much as you love me. 
Not many amens on that one. But that's exactly what we just read in 1 John. We can only love God to the extent that we love one another. That is how Jesus said, they're going to know you. They're going to know you're of me. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and just thank God. Thank you, Father, for your love. Unmeasurable. Ever-expanding. The life force itself deposited in your love for us. Your love to us. Your love in us. And your love through us. Lord, let us, let us receive that love. Let us let it out of us. Let us love one another so we can love this island. This island has been so abused. It's been so beat up. Been beat up in the natural storms have raked its shores. But the people, the families, the people that Jesus died for, their storms have been even worse. Let a revival of love begin. Not to exalt island church, not to exalt a preacher, but that Jesus would be exalted and lifted up in our midst. Let us learn to love you, Lord. Let us learn to love ourselves. Let us learn to love one another. And let us take that love to this hurting place on the planet where you've placed us. Let us take it across the causeway. Let's take it to our state and our nation. Let us take it to the world. We ask that in Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.